Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Next Sunday morning, um, maybe you've ever thought to yourself, I wonder what what Pastor Jim was like 30-some years ago. Well, next week you get to find out, uh, because my my son's going to be preaching next Sunday. Uh, formerly, formerly Jimmy Shamaria. Now he's Jim Shamaria. Now he's a pastor. So he's going to be preaching next Sunday, and uh, we'll look forward to that. And I'm, I will be here, and uh, since I'm uh, not going to be preaching next Sunday, I have a little time this week, so I volunteered to be the uh, department leader for Midlers this week. So I'm going to be department leader in the Midler department this week. we got uh, 36 or 7 uh, second and third graders coming and a good group of uh, leaders. We're looking forward to a good week. And I was thinking back on, I have some good memories of uh, Midler Department. Back in the days, we used to do field trips. Uh, we, I don't know what we were thinking. We'd take a, a, in the afternoon one day, and we one year we took about 80 kids over to the trout farm in Redmond. And I always have memories of that with um, because we got there, and uh, they didn't tell us the fish don't feed till about 3 o'clock. And we had to leave at 3.30. And so we got there and gathered around. There wasn't enough poles for everybody. So Carolyn Amundsen took a group off in the woods hiking. And we wasn't planning on Came back all scratched up and beat up, you know. And then about 3 o'clock, the fish started biting. And, of course, we had to leave in like 20 minutes. And we had to clean 80 fish, you know, and get them all ready, packed up, take them up. And uh, that was that was a good good memory. Then there was the year that, the year that we were going to Discovery Park. And Vela Powell was the Midler department leader. And uh, we had some guys in that group that were a handful. They weren't bad. They were just a handful. They're boys, right? Third and fourth grade boys. And uh, we, it was a hot week, and we had a lot of kids. And uh, this group of three boys just kind of stuck together and kept talking when they shouldn't, you know. And finally Wednesday said, okay, that's it. I told them. Jesse, Ryan, and Greg are not going on the field trip. <laughs> They're not going. I'm not taking them. I said, no, Vela, they got to go. I'll hang out with them. So Ray Powell and I hung out with Jesse and uh, Ryan and Greg Ward uh, for, <laughs> for a few hours. Got to know them really well at Discovery Park, and we had a great time. And uh, so this week, uh, Vela Powell's granddaughter is teaching in my department and my granddaughter, Greg Ward's daughter, is going to be in our department. So uh, things things work out good. So we're having a, we're going to have a good week. We're looking forward to it. They're kids, and uh, we we are looking forward to a great week. Let's open in prayer. Fathers, we look to your word, and we pray that you will bless your word uh, to our hearts, and we might learn from it, grow close to you, and apply these things to our lives as we walk with you this week. Be with our children as they're learning right now. Thank you for the leaders who take time to work with them. Just bless them, Father, and may they have a great time together around your word as well. In Christ's name, amen. Yeah, I'm really a big fan of Vacation Bible School, Vacation Bible Adventure, we call it. And um, when I was Christian Education Director, which I did those back in those days, um, I really, we just put a lot into it, and Susie just puts a lot into this program. We're looking for, hey, our kids had a great week at Leavenworth last week. They're good reports. They had a did a great job. She was so impressed with the maturity of these kids and how well they work together. And uh, many of them were helping 
this week as well. In Mark chapter uh, 12, we studied Mark together last year, all the whole year and most of last uh, spring. And there's a, there's a story there that I have vivid memories of growing up in church and growing up in ministries like Vacation Bible Adventure and seeing the uh, Bible pictures and the video, well, not videos, in those days it was film strips and flannel graph. And, um, uh, and I remember this story, I just remember very vividly pictures in my mind of this story. Verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put, in, has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. You know, I, I, have, I, have this, I have a picture of this lady, kind of a stereotype in my mind, and an older lady comes up very quietly and maybe embarrassingly and, and puts in her money in the temple treasury. We'll, we'll come back to that thought at the end here. Um, because that may be not what it was. But, you know, why was Jesus sitting there? Just He was in the temple. He was teaching. Why was he sitting there watching the people put their money in the offering? in the temple treasury. Was he doing this because he knew what was going to happen and there was a point to be made? Why did this lady put everything? There's nowhere in the Bible where the Jews were commanded to put everything in the offering. Um, that just isn't part of the Mosaic law. There is, a, there is the tithe. There is there's percentages and so on. Why did she put in everything? Uh, everything she had. Um, what was her attitude? What were her thoughts? And, uh, you know, this is a, it's a story that, you know, children love, and we, and we use it to talk about giving. Today, uh, this is our last, oh, incidentally, this, this would have been uh, normally Communion Sunday, but we decided we've had a lot of extra things and so forth this summer, and I really wanted to finish our series on spiritual disciplines, and this is the last, this is the last in that series. So we're, we're doing that today. And the last the discipline is the discipline of giving. Now, if you're visiting with us today, I, I want to give a little disclaimer. You might be visiting here today, and you might be thinking, okay, figures, you know, they're always talking about money, okay? I think we can, I think I have a, I can get a witness here, right, that um, very, very seldom, in fact, I really can't remember last time I gave a sermon on giving, giving. I really can't. And we don't, we don't beg, we don't guilt, we don't, you know, we, we are a, a faith ministry this church was built as a faith ministry. I was here as a junior high young person when this ministry started. And uh, I remember coming out on this property out here when we had to turn over the shovel and had the groundbreaking. And this, nothing was here except a house, you know, a couple of houses. And um, we, we left and started this ministry and the people gave. And we had a history of, of people giving sacrificially. Um, helping, working together, building. You know, I helped do things. I helped, um, I, we helped lay tile downstairs as kids. We, you know, we did all we could. And, and this is the history of this church is who we are. So I really, you know, we have a good history of, we're a faith ministry. People of God have been faithful. Um, we have been, met our budget every year. 
and we um, have not cut back on any ministries. Even during the downturn a few years ago, we didn't cut back on any ministry at all. We continued to move ahead. And so just in case you might think, you know, this, this is not, but this is the sermon today. It's on giving and principles for giving. This is one story from the Bible in the New Testament, one of the very few that talks about giving. What are the principles from the epistles? And I'm thinking of like Paul's writing to the church because he, he wrote so many instructions to the, to the church as he traveled to churches and ministered. What are some instructions or principles that we can apply to our lives from the Bible when it comes to giving and the stewardship, the spiritual discipline of giving. Everything that happens in this church, it, it happens because you give. We do not generate income. Uh, you, you give uh, to this ministry. What other principles? And you know, there's interesting kind of history to this, and it's, it's kind of tangled between the three epistles. But if you turn to 1 Corinthians, we're going to look at this real quickly before we talk about three, three spots here in the New Testament that give us a little insight into giving and, and at least one particular case. And this is a, the church's early, um, things are just developing, churches are just starting. We don't even know, you know, at, at Corinth, you know, are there, are there more churches than the one now? Exactly what has happened since Paul left there. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, excuse me, chapter 16, chapter 16, as Paul comes to the conclusion, we have that great resurrection chapter, chapter 15. And we come to chapter 16, and Paul says this to the church at Corinth. He's writing back to them. He's not there right now. He's writing back to them. And he says, now about the collection for God's people. If you studied Corinthians or read it, You'll see a several, you'll see a series of now about this, now about this, now about this. He's, re, he's responding to several issues that have come up in the church. And he says, now I want to talk about the collection for God's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, which is Sunday, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. Save it up. So that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go, they will accompany me. So Paul specifically addresses this church with instructions about how they are to bring their offerings. And in particular, a collection, a gift that is going to be given to Jerusalem, to the saints in Jerusalem. And then we go to 2 Corinthians, and we see this develop some more, because as he writes his second epistle to the Corinthians in chapter 8, and in chapter 8 and chapter 9, he addresses this, this is the context where he comes back to this. He, he told them, when I come, I will, or when I send these people, they will collect this gift and bring it with them to distribute to the fellow believers in Jerusalem who evidently are in a very impoverished situation. He comes back to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And now, brothers, we want, to know about, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, their extreme poverty, it welled up into rich generosity. For I testify, they gave as much as they were able Even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing. And he talks more about this gift. 
And at the end of that, verse 7, he says, See that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want you to test the sincerity of your love. And then verse 13, Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there might be equality at the present time. Your plenty will supply what they need, and they, in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. And there will be equality. So he's still talking about this gift that is going to be collected and taken to Jerusalem. And then he goes over into chapter 9. And this whole chapter of chapter 9, we'll be coming back to this, is all about this gift and this giving. And in verse 3 he says, But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but you may be ready as I said you would be. Verse 5, so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance, finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. So the context here, and then finally, we can see how this also comes in, in Romans. If you go back to Romans, put something there, and we're coming back to Second Corinthians now for this. But if you go to Romans, or you can just listen as I read this. Just very briefly, in Romans, um, as, he, as he addresses this same issue in verse 25, it's the same context. He writes to the church at Rome, and he says, But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. Verse 25, Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem, and the servants of the saints there for Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it. And indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them in the material blessing. So all three of these passages speak of this context. of. So what's going on here is that the, the church, the believers in Palestine, in Jerusalem, in Judea, these believers, Gary, would you mind turning that fan off for me again? Or, or just tilting it or something. It keeps blowing the pages of my uh, Bible around. Where, where's Cameron? Is Cameron here today? Where are you, Cameron? Cameron Beepus? Stand up, Cameron. Cameron, Gary, thanks for telling me we were wearing checkered uh, shirts today and uh, plaid, plaid <laughs> khaki plants, yeah? <laughs> thanks a lot, okay? <laughs> Next thing, clue me in, would you? Okay? <laughs> All right. Back to our passage here. In, uh, in, uh, so, so, okay, what was that? Oh, yeah, the context. The context here is that, that the, the saints in Jerusalem are impoverished. It could be from the famine that is mentioned in the book of Acts. It could be from persecution. But whatever the situation, they are in bad straits. They are believers in Jesus Christ. And so what Paul is doing is he's asking the other churches to receive a gift so it can, it can be given as an expression of, of their love, their community, their brother and sisterhood, you know, in the Lord Jesus Christ, and to bring that to the saints at Jerusalem and to share it. And that's why Paul goes to Jerusalem. And you read in Acts, and he does make that trip to Jerusalem. And once he gets there, from there on, the story is of Paul's arrest, his trial in Rome, and his imprisonment. But that's why he goes there, is to bring that gift to Jerusalem. So it's in this context that Paul addresses this matter of giving. And so it's in this context that we, 
we have some instructions, some principles for giving. And one of the few places where really this is addressed uh, in the New Testament. And so I want to talk about, first of all, the, re- the reason why we give. What is the reason for our giving? You know what's interesting? In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the key word in, this, in these two chapters, the key word is really not giving or gift. The key word is grace. I want you to notice how it starts. Verse 1 of chapter 8. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. And if you were to take time and read through this, these two chapters, you will see this word grace appear multiple times. And then when you come to the very end of it, in chapter 9, in verse 14, and in the, before he moves on to a new topic, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The word grace, the word charis or charis in the Greek is a very rich word. It's, it's a word that's used for unmerited favor. It's a word that's used for thanks, the eucharist, charis. Because that comes from when, when, the, when the Lord uh, gave, blessed the bread and gave thanks. It's eucharist. It has to do with, with fellowship. It's a very rich word. Um, and, and in this particular case, it's appropriate that this is the controlling word for this topic of giving to the Corinthian church. So the reason we give, first of all, we give because of God's giving to us. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, his gift to us. We return to God because God has been gracious to us. God has gifted us. And we give also as an act of faith. And we'll come back to that. We give as an act of faith. There's a principle in the Old Testament. It's called the first fruits. And as you read the Old Testament, you read the Levitical system, you will see that the Jews were asked to bring the first fruits. Um, some of you, uh, Betty Ward uh, told me today, uh, she got figs for me from her tree. And so I'm looking forward to getting those and bringing them home. It's the first crop, I think, uh, of, of figs. And we've talked about, we've talked about figs before. We've talked about your, your various fruit trees and, and so forth, and the things you grow, and there's always that first fruit, and the first fruit is an indicator fruit. Oftentimes you'll get that first fruit that comes early, and it's an indicator of what is to come. And in the Bible, the, 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 the Jews brought their first fruits. God deserved the first as an act of faith. It was an indicator, that, and that God would bless you with more to come. So giving, we give because God has given to us in his grace. And we give because God will provide for us. We bring the first fruits to him. There's some principles for giving in this passage in Corinthians. And it's really the ones that we go to quite often. People ask, what, what, about, what, is, what are the rules for giving in your church? We don't have any rules for giving at our church. Um, there are no rules for giving. And people say, what's the New Testament principles? Oftentimes, we want to go to the Old Testament. What are the New Testament principles when it comes to you and to me when we give to God's ministry? Whether it's at this church, whether it's other ministries, um, no matter what God has laid on your heart, what are the principles that we use for giving to God's work? You know, the first one I want to say, 
is that in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, you don't have to turn there, but I'll just go back there for a minute and just remind you what I read a few minutes ago. You'll, you remember that when Paul's instructing them about giving for this gift, he said to them this, Now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so when I come, no collection will have to be made there. And the first principle I want to suggest to you about giving to God's work is that Giving, and, and, and we call it tithing. Some people have a hard, don't like that word because it sounds like Old Testament legal systems, but it's actually, it actually pervades the Old Testament, not just the Mosaic Law. Remember the story of Abraham and Melchizedek when this man kind of comes out of nowhere, this priest king, Melchizedek, and it says Abraham gave him a tenth of the spoils of the war, the, the rewards of the war. That's before the Mosaic Law was given. For some reason, this, this number tenth, uh, it kind of sticks and it works and it's there in the Old Testament and many people use that today, 10, 10%. But that, the New Testament doesn't have any legalistic things about that. But it does, Paul does suggest this, that our giving should be regular. That God has asked us to give regularly to his work. And you know, um, there's a principle, there's a reason for that. And, and, and I've been through this. I had to work through this as a as a father and husband and, um, you know, I'd like to be able to tell you that, you know, ever since I started out in the ministry, I've just been 100%, you know. No, I had to work through this just like a lot of you have had to, especially when you've got children at home and, you know, um, there's a lot of expenses with the children and, um, and uh, you know, things sometimes are, are pretty tight and so on. And there is a principle, though, because our human tendency is, at least I know from my experience, and you maybe can relate to this, our human tendency is, yes, we want to give to the Lord's work. And, you know, but we have all this other stuff we have to do, and I know God wants us to take care of these things, so whatever's left over, then we will give to the Lord's work. And, of course, you know what happens, don't you? What? There's never any left over. The principle in the Bible was to give the first fruits. To give regularly. Um, I remember, in fact, we were just talking about this this morning. I remember growing up in this church. You know, you know we, use, we, encourage, we encourage envelopes in our church. Uh, we have envelopes. or those little green envelopes. Um, some people don't understand that. They think it's some kind of an obligation or legalism. No, it's something we've always done at our church. And I remember Pastor Peterson, our founding pastor, emphasizing that. This whole point of, of it's just a way to, to remind you and to help you in regular giving. And we used to have, you know, the pulp, the, the bench, the pew was up here, and the pastors always sat up here. Um, we sit down here now because, you know, the, because the music is up here and the worship and so forth. You know, things change. There's no laws about these things, you know. But uh, just like there's no laws about wearing checkered shirts. I didn't have to wear a checkered shirt. <laughs> but, you know, Pastor Peterson would always remember Pastor Peterson would always, as a, as a reminder to us, he would always come and be the first one to put his offering in the envelope, plate, in the envelope in the offering plate. And it was just a visual reminder to us that as leaders of the church that, that we gave, he gave regularly. And I want to suggest to you that, you know, Paul says to the people in Corinth, this is one of the few instructions we have. This is for the church, the body of Christ. Paul says, Corinthians... On the first day of the week, you set aside ahead of time, not the end of the week. The first day of the week, you set aside ahead of time what God has put in your heart, and you bring it regularly. 
And I want to encourage you, friends. I'm not talking about percentages. But I think, like all spiritual disciplines, it's much healthier, whether it's Bible reading or prayer or sharing the gospel, all the things that we've talked about, participation, leadership, it's, it's, so, it's, it's just a principle. It is much better to do what you're going to do and to do it regularly than to wait until you can do a whole bunch at once because that, that time just doesn't come. It's the same with Bible reading. I've told you. Um, I would much rather read the Bible five minutes a day. Say five minutes a day? Yeah, I would much rather read the Bible five minutes a day than say, you know what, I, that, that's not really enough. I'm going to wait till I have an hour and the hour never comes. Hey, read five minutes a day. Pray five minutes a day. It will grow. And it's the same with giving. The Bible says, and Paul says, the first day of the week, put it aside and do it regularly. So that's principle number one. I think the Bible encourages us to give regularly. And I think families, parents, for your children. I remember my mom giving offerings. She didn't have much, but she, the offering was regular. And Teresa's parents. You know, we grew up in that context. And, and I just want to encourage you that, that the fam, the, your, your children, your grandchildren, um, this, this is something that is important to them, that your family cares about God's work that you give regularly. Secondly, the Bible clearly tells us in chapter 9 that we're looking at here that God wants you to give freely. We do not have any legalistic standards. There is no rule. Yes, there are guidelines. Yes, 10% seems to be a reasonable guideline. But some have said, is it 10% of net? Is it 10% of, you know, gross? You know what? What Paul says here in, in chapter 9 and verse 5 I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you advance, advance, finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. It will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. In verse 7 of chapter 9, each man, each person should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. The principle clearly in the New Testament when it comes to giving, the, the principle is clearly that you are free and it should be done freely out of what God places in your heart. And, and what your neighbor gives or someone else gives it has nothing to do with it. What your parents give or your you know, siblings, it has nothing to do with it. It should be what God, what you have purposed in, in your heart. This is the dispensation, the age of the grace of God, and there is no legalistic standard. If 10% is a reasonable standard, that's, that's great. But you have to make that decision. You should give freely. You should give freely. So principle number two, you give regularly and you give freely. There are no, there are no rules in this church or in the ministries you support for giving. But connected with that is principle number three, and it's very clear there when Paul says, I'll go back to verse seven, each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And that word compulsion there is a word of pain. <laughs> you know, if, if it's painful for you to give to the Lord's work, don't do it. Save yourself the pain. <laughs> God's not going to go broke. You know, it's okay. If, it, if, if you're finding yourself that you're, that you're just giving out of compulsion and reluctance and obligation, then really, 
you, you need to, we need to revisit this whole thing. It's not supposed to be a painful thing. And that's the word it's used here. It's a word for lupus. It's a word for pain. But you don't, you don't give out of reluctance. You don't give out of pain. But look at this. And you know this verse. For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful. That's a, that's a, that's a good word. It's a fun word. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful. This, this is all over the Old Testament, friends. This is not just a New Testament principle. This is, the, this is an Old Testament as well. To bring your tithes and offerings. You read the Psalms. Cameron was speaking of the Psalms in class this morning. You read the Psalms. And over and over about the joy of coming into God's house, the joy of giving to God. We've been singing songs of joy and worship today, giving our hearts to God. It's supposed to be joy in our Christian life. It's not supposed to be all compulsion and pain. It's supposed to be a joy about it. And giving to God's work should be an act of joy. God loves a cheerful giver. Principle number one, give regularly. I encourage you. You should think about that. If you like offering envelopes, we'd be glad to give them to you. Um, we order extra every year, and, and uh, I know people give differently these days and so forth, the different means and methods than used to be. But if you like offering envelopes, we'd, we'd give them to you. Um, it, it's a good reminder. Give freely. You purpose in your heart. You, you, if, if you're married, you and your spouse talk about it what, and, and talk about these things. You know, what, what, and, 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 and let God speak through both of you. You decide what God would have you to give. Give joyfully. Come and when you bring your tithes and offerings, when you send that gift to that mission that you support, or that missionary you support, or that work that you support, that God's put on your heart, for whatever reason God's put it on your heart, do it with joy. Do it with joy. And then the last principle, I'm sure there are more, but the last one I want to share with you this morning, I go back to chapter 8. It's in chapters 8 and 9 that we have these principles for for giving. And that is verse 2. Out of the most severe trial, these churches in Macedonia, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. And I just want to say, it appears to me these people gave sacrificially. I mean, you know, in the Old Testament, there's the whole sacrifice system. Why did God ask? Why did God ask for that? You know, when Passover came and you brought, what did you bring? You brought the best lamb. You bought the firstborn. You didn't bring the one that was going to die anyway. You brought and gave God the best. Why? Did God need that? No, it was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. God gave his best on the cross of Calvary. Christ gave his best. It's called a sacrifice for a reason. A sacrifice costs you something. I love that story. I think we talked about it sometime this last spring of, of King David in the midst of that terrible destruction and judgment upon Israel when, when he realized he had to offer sacrifice and death was raining down on the people and the, and, the, and the sword, the angel of death was standing over Jerusalem with his sword about to slice the city and God's people because of their sinfulness and David's sin. And David comes and, and goes to, to Oran, Orana, and, and, and says, I need, to, I need this place for sacrifice. Let me have it. And Arana says, David, you're the king. Here, take it. Here's the, here's the animal. Here's the wood. Here's the stone. Take it. It's yours. And David says, no, I must buy it from you. Why? I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. That's why David was a man for God's own heart. 
in the midst of that terrible black day, he still had the spiritual sense to say that and to realize that's not a sacrifice. If you give, I'm supposed to sacrifice. Listen, we're going to vacation Bible school this week. It's going to be great. We got people taking a week off work, a week off work to, to work at Bible school. We had, we had people last week go to Camp Cedarbrook taking a week off work. We got people that go to Awana camp. We, you know, these ministries, people, I remember as a kid, I remember people like Dave Kane and Herb Anderson and Jim Bailey and others, these guys taking a week off of their work. Some of them didn't have paid vacation to come and work at camp. It was a sacrifice. And ministering at, at our ministries here, yes, it's joyful, it's rewarding, but it's a sacrifice. That's why it's a spiritual discipline. And so I want to ask you today, friends, these principles that you, you should talk about with your family. Do you give regularly? Do you give freely? Do you determine as a family what, what, what does God want us, what would we do, what, what should we give? Do you give with joyful hearts or do you give because you have to? Or is, is, is that why you give? And do you do you and do I? Listen, I'm not talking just you. I'm talking to myself. I had to learn these things too, and I'm not I'm not perfect. And I, you know, um, it doesn't come it doesn't come in my nature just to give stuff away. You know, I'd like to. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul, in Acts 20 says, "As our Lord Jesus Christ said, it's more blessed to give than to receive." That's not in the Gospels, by the way. You know that. That was the saying of Jesus. It's not in the Gospels, but Paul said Jesus said that. It's one of those sayings that they had kept track of, evidently. And it was the saying, it's more blessed to give than receive. To give joyfully, but also to give sacrificially. Friends, the principle throughout the Scripture, God gets first, God gets the best. That's the best principles for giving to the Lord. What are the results? The results, in closing, really, the results are this. In chapter 8, in verse, in verse 12, Paul says this, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable, for what has not according to one, he does not have. And he goes on to tell us that if you give, in, 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 in chapter 9, this service, in verse 12, that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Our giving sacrificially and freely and joyfully, just as our singing, we're giving our voices today and worship to God. Our, that's why we receive the offering. Some people say, well, why don't you just put the offering plates in the back? Um, no, it's an act of worship. We are doing this together. We are worshiping God by bringing our gifts and our offerings. It's an act of worship. The results are also an act of faith. You, can, you have to go home and finish reading this in chapter 9, where Paul says, listen, God will provide for you. And he uses words like generously, and you will have all. And, of course, that's missed, misused today to preach the health and wealth gospel, that if, if, if you give a lot to God, you're going to become rich, and God's going to make you a rich person. Well, if that's true, that wasn't Paul's life. That wasn't Paul's life. But he had everything he needed. And the richness that he experienced was the richness of God's ministry. Read it. That's what he says. God will increase your gift. He will enrich your gift and it will grow to God to enrich God's ministry. It's an act of faith. And listen, this is very important. Giving to God's work is an act of community. This whole thing started with the talk of Paul's concern of giving a gift to the brothers and sisters in Judea. 
And he says in chapter 8, verse 13, Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. This is an act of community, my friends. On any given Sunday, there are people who can give more, there are people who can give less, and some people can't give at all. We give as a community. And this is for the work of the community, the work of this church, the Brian Bible Church, is part of this community. And yes, if you look at our annual report, you will see the most significant portions of your giving go to the salaries of the pastors and staff, the pastors especially. Yes, that's true. That's true, because we believe that having called pastors to serve you and your family is a very important part of a healthy church ministry. I thank the Lord that when our church started, we, we had every reason in the world, we had every reason in the world not to do it, but the, but the first thing they did was hire staff to work with the young people. We had, from the time I, as I was growing up, we had a full-time youth pastor, a full-time Christian ed director, we were building this ministry, but it, our pastor had that vision, that understanding. The leaders of our church, our brothers that were leading on the elder board, they had that vision that this is important. And friends, this is still important to us today. And I, I encourage some of my fellow pastors, their, their churches are struggling. I say, look, at, talk to your people. Challenge them. Challenge them to give. You need that youth pastor. You know, hardly anybody hires Christian ed directors anymore. You know that? It's all specialized ministry, but we're committed to that. We are committed to that. We have an associate pastor. We are committed to the ministry of this church. And that's a big part of it. I understand that. We are committed to ministries like Shoreline Community Care, where we, along with other churches in this community, give to a, a social relief ministry here in Shoreline that's very responsible and functions very well and is very important. We give to ministries like Awana, to Pioneer Clubs, to our missionaries that we support, Union Gospel Mission, Jacob's Well. We give to our Vacation Bible Adventure. We've spent a lot of money. And incidentally, I know you're going to think, oh, okay, he set us up for this. No, I didn't set you up for this. I would have done this no matter what I was preaching on today. But normally when we have communion, we do take a benevolent offering. It's above and beyond your regular giving. We're not having communion today, but if there's a chance you would like to help with our Vacation Bible School ministry, there are some plates in the back. And really, I would have done this no matter what I was preaching on the day. It just so happens. But if you'd like to make a gift, uh, we, have a, we have more kids than we planned, like Gary said. And uh, we don't charge anybody to come to our people call and say, what do you charge? We don't charge for our ministries at church. You don't, we don't make you pay to come to Vacation Bibles. We want you to come. And we put a lot of money into it. We do, within reason. So if you'd like to make a gift to that, there will be offering plates in back, and that will go to our Vacation Bible Adventure uh, this week. That's part of our commitment. Now, as, as I conclude this, as I conclude once again, um, <laughs> the story of the widow's might, you know, what's interesting about this is, I thought about this, and I thought about my kind of stereotypical, this, this poor lady that maybe an older widow, and she came up and carefully and maybe maybe sheepishly put her hoping no one would see what she put in the offering or two mites that was all whatever you know what that could be completely wrong i've been to africa 
And I was in church in Africa with some very, very poor people. And we watched them. You know when they did in their worship service? They're giving. They sang and they danced and they clapped and people danced down the aisle and they put their little bits of money. They brought a chicken for the pastor. They put, really. And they did it with joy and glory. You know what? Maybe this lady wasn't intimidated one bit by those rich people. Maybe she wasn't intimidated one bit by those Pharisees and scribes or anybody else. Maybe God had done something in her heart that, that week that, that just overflowed. And for whatever reason, maybe the only time in her life she did this, probably, because they're not instructed to do this, but for some reason something happened in her life and she was just overflowing with joy and thanks and she just gave everything she had that day. Maybe that picture in my mind's the wrong picture. Maybe it was a young widow. And maybe she had a baby on her back. And maybe she had a big smile on her face. Because she was doing what the Bible says, to be a cheerful giver, to put God's ministry first, to purpose in your heart, and to come not out of reluctance, but come freely and joyfully and sacrificially. For whatever reason, that's what she did that day. And she may not have been intimidated by anybody one bit, and the Lord said, look at that. Look what she did. This lady, because her heart was right, her attitude was right, she did more than all those other people combined because she did what God put in her heart. Probably never did it again. Listen, friends, God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful church. God loves cheerful children and young people in our ministry. And God's going to bless this ministry. And this is, a, this is the only sermon you're going to hear from me about giving uh, for a long time. And that's simply because I belong to a church family that understands this. They understand this. God gets first. God gets the best. We give as a family. We support our missionaries. We support God's work. As long as I'm pastor of this church... We're going to support children and youth ministry as well. And we're not backing down a bit. Is that okay? We're going forward. We have some good discussions right now on our board about going forward. This community here that we're living in is changing. It's been rezoned. This is going to change. We'll talk some more about that. We're going forward because that's what God's always led us. Joy is a good word, isn't it? Let's have a good week, a joyful week, serving the Lord. You pray for us. If you can't come, you can pray for us. You can pray every day for our ministries. We've got names in the bulletin, who's leading. And uh, we look forward to your prayers. Let's have a joyful week. We'll bring a good report. Come to the picnic Thursday night. Come and share in a great meal. Our neighbors are invited. Anybody's invited to come. Looking forward to a great week. Father, we thank you for the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Thank you for the sacrifice of worship today that we can come and give of our voices and our hearts because we love you. We've sung together. We've read scripture together. We've been in your word. Our children have been together in our youth today, Lord. It's been a good day. We love you, and we leave this place with the joy of the Lord as our strength. In Christ's name, all God's people can say together, Amen. Amen.